This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, and I'm here with Luke Munger. Kim Grinnells is out uh, watching Dante Pettis go through his workout. Right now it is Monday uh, afternoon-ish, I guess, mm-hmm. around noon, 11, 30, 12. And so he's off there doing that, so we should have some news on Dante's workout here pretty soon. A bunch of NFL scouts obviously here for that, so there were some at practice today as well. But what I wanted to ask you guys just from the top is, First couple practices we saw, Wednesday, Friday, defense won the day. Saturday, obviously, we didn't get to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now they come out Monday, and the whole time we're kind of expecting them to, you know, the offense to kind of rise up and maybe mount a little bit more of a comeback and mm-hmm. maybe show that they could do some things. Do you think they won, to, won the day today? I absolutely think they won today. Um, they had a couple big plays, something we hadn't seen very much of on the first couple days that we saw practice. Um, Browning hit Fuller for two big big touchdown passes, one for 40, one for about 60. Um, uh, they actually, in seven-on-sevens, looked really, really good, That whereas the DBs had been in tight coverage. And other, I think the receivers were starting to find some space. A lot of 11-on-11 work. They were able to uh, do some things. Uh, one-on-ones, didn't Hunter Bryant make some, have a couple ni- nice catches? Uh, and and Ty like Jones and the one-on-ones well, had a, yeah. a couple nice uh, deep balls that he yeah. held in from Jake. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I just say, that the one thing that I think can get overlooked, uh, especially in the 11-on-11 periods when Jake Browning was making those nice passes to Aaron mm-hmm. Four and Washington was able to kind of move the ball down the field, uh, the offensive line, which had been dominated the first two days, mm-hmm. kind of threw a, pat, like a punch back and were definitely giving – uh, not only Jake time to throw, but also there were some running ways. I mean, obviously it's hard running to see ways, yep. how long it would, uh, like, you know, it's hard to see how good the run game is when you're not really tackling, but there were definitely some holes for right. Miles Gaskin and, and uh, Kamari Pleasant and guys like that to kind of sneak through Savon Ackman. And I think, too, it's, uh, you know, this is the first practice where we got to see them in more than just shorts. Mm-hmm. You know, they actually have, you know, shells. I think Rick Newhouse used to call them light bulbs, mm-hmm. you know, where they're not full pads, but they're, they're, they've got some things going on there where it's not just shorts. And so I think that makes a difference offensively, too. It allows the offensive line to maybe get after a little bit more mm-hmm. than they would normally. But let's break it down just real quick, the position group, starting with the offense. You you listed Jake Browning, mm-hmm. Scott, right off the bat, the two big touchdown passes. He looked accurate all day. He looked like a seasoned quarterback. Right on exactly, money. Exactly yeah. what you'd expect out of him. Throwing it right where he needed to throw it every time. Um, Jake Hayner, I thought, had a pretty good day, too. Um, it checked down a few times, but... Made the throws that the, the the coaches aren't upset when you check down. What they're upset about is taking a sack or throwing a pick. Those are the two things they're going to get the most upset about. Um, and so I think that you know he's starting to understand. I don't need to make a big play every time. You know those kind of things. I thought um, you know Jacob Eason, he he got in there for a few reps. Uh, you can just see his immense arm strength. I mean how he just flicks the ball. Um, Colson Yankov had a nice completion today to Terrell Bynum on the sidelines. Um, probably the best throw he's had all, all uh, camp. And uh, Jacob Sermon made a couple good throws. So overall, I think the, the quarterbacks were afforded better protection, like Luke noted uh, in, in his comments earlier. And just and it seemed to give the quarterbacks the ability to find receivers open. Yeah. yeah. Uh- not a ton to add to that. Colson Yankoff obviously had his, like Scott mentioned, highlight of the camp so far with his completion to Terrell Bynum. And, yeah, I, I thought it, I saw the same thing from Jake Brown. I think it was really encouraging to see him go out there. And, obviously, the receivers were getting more space. But to, like, more or less pick apart, obviously, very veteran and good defensive backfield that the Huskies have. I thought what was interesting is that 
you know, the defense seemed to have some joy in the one-on-ones and in maybe some of those lesser team periods. But when it came to the full team periods, the full 11-on-11, it seemed like that's when they decided to show up. And then I will also say, too, is that, man, the arm strength of Jacob Eason just continues to shine through, like mm-hmm. you were saying, Scott. He's like, you could see some of those, those far hash throws, some mm-hmm. of those outs from the far hash. Any other quarterback on this team that's throwing it, I mean, Elijah Molden had a pick almost on Jacob Sermon. Any other quarterback that throws that, it's in trouble. But Eason's probably flicking it out there, and, mm-hmm. and those DBs don't have a chance. So it, it really, really starts to notice on some of those throws, which are really, you know, you're asking a lot of the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That's a pro-style throw right there. I mean, in terms of throwing it with accuracy and with a lot of pop. And he's the one that has the arm right now to mm-hmm. do it. So moving to the running backs, it was interesting. No Sean McGrew today. Didn't see him. Or not sure exactly what was going on there, but it um, isn't because we couldn't no, right. see him. Yeah, it was because right. he actually wasn't there. Well, good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of Miles Gaskin, a lot of Savon Ahmed, a lot of uh, Kamari Pleasant, a lot of Nate Islandfeld. Yeah, today, I saw too. him get a lot of carries. Yeah. Out. So uh, again, I don't know how much you guys want to add to that, but um, again, they're getting good work in, and I think it's a, again a testament to what the offensive line were doing. We can get to them in a bit, but. Um, I just thought that they, they had moments, especially in the team periods, where they were able to get, uh, get loose a little bit. Yeah, not, not a lot to add to that. Uh, um, you know, as, as great as Miles Gaskin is, uh, the most explosive guy to me on the offense in general is Savon Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Every time he touches the ball, I feel like something big is going to happen. So um, fun to watch him. Uh, you know, Kamari Pleasant really, he did okay. I, I didn't see very much out of him. And uh, Island felt, you know, he is, he's a backup guy. He's a walk-on guy. But he, he's, he gets in there and he gets those tough yards. So, um, you know, that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, for me. yeah, not a ton to add there. I feel like until they're really doing a lot of contact stuff, it'll be hard to see exactly what Kamari Pleasant will be because obviously they had him balloon up to 207 pounds. So I'm going to assume that obviously they want him to fill that LeVon Coleman role in terms of being kind of like a blocker like LeVon was in a lot of situations. But it'll, interesting, it'll be interesting to see if that changes running style and that if it won't really be something that shows through until he's actually having to break tackles and kind of get through people. Right, and then the receiving guys, whether it's the receivers or tight ends, I think they seem to have the biggest day today, obviously. Mm-hmm. When the quarterbacks are afforded a little bit of protection, those guys really mm-hmm. uh, had a chance to shine on the outside. Again, Aaron Fuller with the two touchdowns, big day. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the Huskies now are apparently naming like dog players of the, day. of the day, dog of the day for the spring. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Fuller gets the yeah. dog of the day, uh, either him or Browning, because they were really good connections um, between him and then obviously Ty Jones again, very having a very steady spring uh, for him. Uh, Andre Bocelli, Jordan Chin on the outside had a couple nice catches. Uh, I think overall, very very good day from a very consistent group. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Alex Cook, I honestly thought Alex Cook had the best day I've seen him have as a Husky, and that's only fall camp and, and spring ball so far for practices of spring. So hard to say how great that is. But, um, you know, he was getting open consistently, helped them move the chains on a couple 11-on-11 drills. Um, I really liked the day that I saw out of Alex Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another guy that I, I thought looked pretty good at times was Terrell Bynum. Mm-hmm. He obviously had that great catch on that throw from Colson Yankoff, and then just kind of looking over when they were doing one-on-ones. Uh, he's a pretty wiggly guy. And uh, so, yeah, I think that he is another guy that going into his redshirt freshman year has an opportunity to kind of step into a role. But one thing, I guess, then just talking about all these people that stands out is the depth in that room. Obviously, you guys want, like, 
or everyone wants to see like a, like a number one guy step up, a number two guy step up, but they have a lot of options that can fill a lot of different roles. One, yeah. one guy that I didn't see very much of today uh, was Austin Osborne. We haven't seen a lot of him in the seven-on-seven and, and uh, team drills yet. I think part of it's just him getting the offense down. Sounds like he's a little dinged up, yeah, a little, and maybe he, a little tight And he was hammy. running behind uh, yeah. the, the group with the, one of the trainers. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it was probably a hamstring or something yeah, like that. I think he's had a little tight hammy. And again, you know, we can't stress enough how this coaching staff – Really takes babies. You know they yeah. they just wrap them in 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 cotton wool. You know I mean they any slight chance that there might be an injury that could linger or would be something that they have to deal with down the road. They're like they just pull them out, mm-hmm. and so they're not going to try to win spring or anything like that. Tight end position again. I think like the offensive line, it's tough to really see. A, a ton of things until they can put the pads on and get a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage. I'm seeing more out of um, Justice Warren, for instance. I think they like him in the two tight end sets right now with um, with Sample, Sample, Drew Sample. Yeah. I saw that. Um, again, Hunter Bryant, we talked to him today. He's really excited to kind of see what he can put together in year two now that he's learned from guys like Will Disley and Sample and those guys, as well as getting bigger, uh, stronger, faster, and getting rehabbing the injury that he had. Um, so I'm seeing there, and even some of the younger guys, I mean, obviously Jacob Kaiser, he always kind of seems to fly under the radar, but he's having a real solid spring, and Kate Otten is in showing up in, in moments too. Uh, Mike Neal still trying to figure out where, yeah. where his place is right now. Um, you know, uh, I talked to Jordan Palpa after the uh, – after practice, and uh, so go check that out, uh, the interview. Uh, Luke will have the transcription up probably pretty quickly. But, um, you know, he said the one guy, he goes, it's only four practices, but the one guy who stood out the most to him on film is Otten, Kate Otten. He said he said he's showing consistency uh, with his blocking and being able to get downfield. So keep an eye on Kate Otten. I'm not saying the kid's going to make a move to be a starter or anything like that, but he could be a guy who could see plenty of pl- plenty of reps this fall. Yeah. Any uh, any thoughts, Dad, on tight end position? Um, nothing nothing super new, obviously, other than kind of just building off what I said about receivers is just like the depth and the different roles you can fit there. And then obviously, Pow Pow wants. Guys who are well-rounded, he talks about Hunter Bryant obviously being spectacular in the passing game and seeing how they can develop him as a run blocker and a pass blocker. But then with all the pairings that they're able to do, uh, it's, like, it's no wonder that UW in their last three games of the, of the, the season last year started in three tight end sets. They just have that versatility. It's, almost, it's routine for them to open in two and three tight end sets while it's kind of a deviation from the norm uh, nationally in college football. Right. Mm-hmm. Moving to the offensive line, obviously with Trey Adams out, Henry Benavalu out. This starting five that Scott Huff has kind of leaned on. Now we, I, we made a decision not to want to talk to Scott until next week when they have full pads. They actually get a chance to kind of see something when they get hit a, hit a little bit. Because um, right now, for, for those guys, it's you know it's like running around in underwear for those guys. They they mm-hmm. want to get to hit and they want to go after somebody. But you know that starting five of of. You got the two tackles of Henry Roberts and Caleb McGarry, and then you got Luke Wattenberg at left guard. You've got Matt James at right guard. You've got Nick Harris at center. He's really stuck with that. With that, I wouldn't say a starting five per se, but that first five um, has been really consistent throughout all these first four practices. And I think now, today on Monday, you started to see that maybe a little bit of that gelling, a mm-hmm. little bit of that communication start to come through in terms of them finding some joy, getting some pass protection, doing some of the things you'd expect the offense to do. Yeah, I, and I would fully agree with that. Um, Henry Robertson, you know, they gave up a couple sacks today. Um, Jordan, um, I'm sorry, Jaden, Jalen uh, Johnson had a sack. 
uh, uh, Greg um, Gaines got in on a, on a play, and Ryan Bowman had a sack. So they did have. It wasn't like the defense was dominated today, but um, you know the offensive line just did give a lot more time. One thing I'm concerned about, and it's spring. It's four practices in the spring, and the guy hasn't done this a lot. But Boomer Sosby, he his, he was dribbling the ball back a few times in the shotgun snaps. Yeah. So that's something just to keep an eye on. And he hasn't he's done he's never done this. Yeah, and I'm and I'm fully aware of that. So I don't want to make this like you know overblow it too much. But it's it's something that we saw. And you know, I mean, Hayner had to reach down many times, a couple times where he wasn't able to get it, and the other team, you know, the defense was able to get it. So just something to keep an eye on. But uh, Nick Harris is uh, who I was a little worried about last week from the way he was snapping. His were all right on the money today. So just we're, just little things to keep an eye on. Jared Hilbers had a couple false starts today. You know, once again, it's spring. I get it. But stuff to just work on and look at. Um, I thought Devin Burleson actually kind of showed up a little bit. Um, had, a good, had a good down block on a running play, opening a hole for um, uh, Savon Ahmed. So just, you know, overall probably the best day that the offensive line has had. And I don't think it's any coincidence that they were able to have pads on today. Yeah, and I would underscore the fact that yeah. they are breaking in not just one new center, but two brand new centers yeah. that have never had to snap before. Yeah. And I don't remember even Nick Harris in high school. I think he was no, he was, he was a, guard, a guard, right? Guard and a tackle. He was right yeah. tackle for a while, and then they moved him to guard. Yeah, and I don't remember if Sosby ever played any center in high school. Mm-hmm. So because mostly when you're that size in high school, you're playing tackle. Yeah, you know, sure. you're just and well, even Nick Harris at six one was playing inside. Yeah, almost but, every almost every. Play player that plays along an, a college offensive line save a center played tackle yeah. and most of them were left tackles on their team not all of them but most of them were left tackles on their team because yeah. they're the best player typically they're the best player on the, the biggest team, player on the biggest mm-hmm. player on the team so um you know that's just something to consider is a lot of these guys are getting used to new positions yeah yeah, I, not these young guys. What I was going to add, and then Scott kind of hit on it, was it was impressive to see how well Nick Harris was snapping the ball, kind of in contrast as a guy who is new to the position. He and I'm sure. I mean, I remember him mentioning. I can't remember if it was during the Fiesta Bowl week or just before that he kind of knew that that was the, the eventual path for him. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that he had been practicing it over the winter. But it was impressive and encouraging to see him. But other than that, obviously not a ton to add. I think you guys kind of hit on it all. Yeah, well, quit stealing his thunder. Okay, my bad. Go to him first. That's my one, defensive guys. Okay, go to him that's first. my one Kim moment. Okay. Okay, so let's go to move on to defense. You did talk a little bit, Scott, about – Guys like Greg Gaines mm-hmm. and Jalen Johnson and those guys mm-hmm. having a nice day. And I, and I would agree. I think in some of the non-full team periods, those guys are very disruptive. Mm-hmm. I saw them maybe force a couple fumbles. Um, they're, those are probably that core group when you add Levi Anzarike. Now, you, you know, a Shane Bowman and Jason Scrempos, you're starting to see some guys rotate yeah, in. Scrempos was in there quite he a He had a nice yeah. day today, I thought. Um, I think that might, might be a group that we're not going to be focusing on as much because they're pretty veteran right now. Mm-hmm. The defensive line? Yeah. yeah, I would say so as well. Kind of just up front. I know that he's technically by, I guess, like nominally not a defensive lineman, but a guy who I've been impressed with kind of all spring is Benning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we can move yeah, for the, sure. to the linebackers. And, here uh, he, yeah, there, there's just one play in particular that I remember. Obviously, he's made a lot of noise rushing the quarterback, but there's one play. I think it was a run off the right side, and uh, Benning was able to get around Caleb McGarry and set the edge pretty early and then force Miles Gassing to kind of cut back up to where the defense was. Uh, so it was impressive to see him not only getting after the quarterback, but also setting the edge and kind of getting pretty uh, horizontal rather than getting upfield. So it was impressive. Yeah. Um, I would say one, one guy that a lot of people want to know about um, 
is Josiah Bronson and, and, and his progress. A lot of people see him as the next big thing to come up at Washington. And um, at this point in time, I, I don't want to say he's just a guy, but I haven't seen very much from him yet. You know, I mean, he's not getting a lot of penetration, and that might not be the job he's being asked to do. I don't know. But, um, you know, it seems like everybody else seems to get penetration, and he's not. So um, just something I want to watch the rest of spring, the, the next 11 practices or whatever as we kind of go through it. Obviously, we won't see every practice, but, um, you know, just something that a lot of people want to know about him. So I thought I'd throw this in there, that he's just not doing a ton right now. It doesn't mean he's having a bad spring or anything like that because there's a lot of things that happen that we that might not show up out out to the naked eye but when you watch film he's doing exactly what they want him to do so uh we'll just have to see on that sure moving out to the to the rush guys Mm -hmm. luke you mentioned benning i I feel like the two deeps on the outside guys are starting to really form themselves Mm -hmm. you've really got that that rotation between benning and um and 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 bowman ryan bowman on the outside just kind of at that buck and then on the other side, Amandre Williams is really starting to solidify himself, I think, at that outside, at that Sam spot, backed up by Miles Rice. Uh, is that what you guys are seeing, too? Yeah, definitely. And the, and the thing that's, that's interesting about that is, especially with Ryan and Benning, because you saw it a lot with them last year, is just how interchangeable those one and two are. It's almost like 1A and 1B, mm-hmm. that those groups will switch in pretty interchangeably. Uh, but then, yeah, Amandre Williams is kind of like, I don't know what it is about him, but he, he's kind of solidified himself as right now, at least that number one Sam uh, obviously, like Camille Leifler has missed a lot of time. We saw him lining up with the outside linebackers today for the first time, which I thought was noteworthy. Like physically, obviously he wasn't in pads, so it's a big difference. He looks a lot smaller than a lot of the guys that he's around. Right. Uh, but obviously, if you look at his combine numbers and like the broad jump and vertical jump numbers that he was able to post, yep. he's obviously a very explosive player. And it is, so it'll be interesting to see when he kind of gets into pads and is able to participate yep. in the 11-on-11s, what he kind of brings to the table with his speed. I think he'll be the Sam. I was going to say, but to remind people, he's still going to be a couple practices behind mm-hmm. because the NCAA requires that they have a, a certain number of Accl- acclimatization, acclimatization yeah. period where they, where they have to be in just um, not, show, mm-hmm. not pads, basically. And uh, so it's going to be probably at least a couple more practices for him before he can go full pads. Another thing to mention is, um, and I think we've mentioned this in other, uh, Benning Potoai has actually uh, been playing a lot of three-tech and some five-tech even for them. So he's been moving all around, doing a lot of different things. I think think they're trying to figure out a way to get him him and and Bowman. Bowman, Yeah, the two best pass rushers probably, at least on the hoof. You know, those are the two best pass rushers you, you have. So um, we'll see, you know, if Joe Tryon can – by the way, Joe Tryon just looks like a dude. Yeah. I mean, that guy – It's hard to know because he's not really getting a ton of reps in the, but when the, he gets the in first there, teamers he, he or the flashes. first lines. Yeah. But, you know, he is such a physical presence. Yeah. He, he, is, he is very hard to ignore. He is the guy – he's the one you want coming off of the bus first yeah. because that kid is – and he's – the thing is, he's still got so much room to add – Add size yeah. to it to his body. Um, Amandre Williams, just to, to back up what Luke said, I think he's having the best camp I've seen him have. Yeah. He's fully healthy though for the first time, really, and and I think that's really helping him. I think he's playing faster, which is really big. And then you got Tevis Bartlett inside. I think he and Ben Burkirvan, at least right now. I mean, I'm real interested to see what happens with um, DJ Beavers and Brandon Wellington when they finally get here. If they if they right. even see him in the spring. 
But, um, you know, Bartlett and, and, uh, and uh, Burke Hervin actually have looked pretty good, I think, in the middle there. Yeah, so we got, yeah, so you moved to the middle. You've got those guys, Ben Burke Hervin, Tevis Bartlett, again, doing their thing in the middle. And then you've got, uh, they're backed up, I think, by Kyler Manu right now. Mm-hmm. I think Jake Wamba mm-hmm. is the other guy that's right in there. Um, yeah, Matt it's going to be interesting. Ariel Nada. Matt Preston. Matt, Matt Preston. Preston. Yeah, that guy Preston. is an animal. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to see much playing time in the regulars, but he'll be a special teams guy from Washington big time. Yeah, and Ariel Nada uh, still in yellow yeah. right now. Um, so We're running with the ones. Well, he he's getting some work in the non in some of the team type stuff. That's not like I guess quote unquote contact, but not having pads, mm-hmm. but something where he got he got knocked over a couple times, which. I don't think that's what they want to yeah. do ideally with him, but especially when you're wearing yellow. But, but by the way, as we're talking about someone getting knocked over, you, you remember seeing uh, two of the most important players on oh, the freaking yes. team: oh, my God. Uh, Byron, oh, Murphy Byron Murphy and, yeah. and uh, yeah. Miles Gaskin yeah. getting tangled, tangled up and rolling around yeah. and stuff like that. And those are the plays yeah. that make Chris Peterson's Cringe. hair go gray. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> anyway, just it, they had fun with it. It wasn't a big deal. No one no. got hurt. But um, it was just kind of like. Oh, you know the coaches are just holding well, their breath. When ever they see since that ever since that play in the spring when John Ross was yeah. trying to avoid the water uh, person, the yeah. trainer with the water, yeah. and ended up screwing up his leg Blowing because his of it. Out, yeah. yeah, I mean it's those are just it's crazy. That's why these guys are are so careful about spring practices. They they want to get the work in. They know they need to be physical to a certain extent, but they are so careful. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, the, crazy. it's constantly stay up, stay up, yeah. stay up. They yeah. don't want people going to the ground. It's going to inevitably happen. But they, they just they want these guys to realize there is no need to be taking people to the ground or going to the ground if you don't need to. Yeah. Now, moving to the defensive backfield, um, again, we kind of alluded to it during the one-on-ones. Um, you saw Miles Bryant had a couple picks. Keith mm-hmm. Taylor had a pick during the one-on-ones. Um, you know, they just they, they have their moments, obviously, and we know their talent is, is – I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum the first couple practices – um, it was nice to see the receivers get back at them a little bit, yeah. but this isn't going to dampen those guys' confidence at all. Oh, no, if, yeah, if anything, I mean, it pissed them off. Yeah, for sure. And they're, 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 I mean, you saw in the early practices, they're a group that feeds off of energy. So I'm sure they'll like really just kind of let this marinate in their head uh, tonight and tomorrow and then come back Wednesday ready to throw the next punch. Yeah. One thing with Austin Joyner, obviously not dressed today, not really participating, and Jordan Miller hasn't been participating all spring. Yeah. Uh, Keith Taylor was able to run with the ones, which was probably some pretty valuable experience for him as well, yeah. just being able to go against the Aaron Fullers and Andre Bocellis that and yeah. Ty Jones uh, that UW has to offer. Uh, I think, that, like, obviously you'd love to have those guys out there and continue to develop guys that started for you last year and are guys who you'll look to to be starters in this year, but giving Keith Taylor that experience. I, I was going to say schematically, well. too, guys, it, it looks like the reason why, and, and, and I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but it looks like one of the reasons why Keith Taylor's getting that chance with the with the first team is because they're starting to look at Elijah Mold and a little bit more at that nickel. Nickel, mm-hmm. yeah. And so he might be backing up Miles Bryant at the nickel, or that might be just a battle royale mm-hmm. in the fall. Mm-hmm. Those guys might be, you know, duking mm-hmm. it out for that number mm-hmm. one spot. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to sense that we're we're sure. shift we're seeing just a little subtle shift yeah. in how those and how those I guess true sophomores yeah. are being used. Um, as far as Keith Taylor um, and. I, the guy obviously knows his assignments. I mean, his, he was assignment sound. But you can see the precision that these corners and safeties and basically everyone, they talk about run fits. They talk about all these different things. But you see how precise you have to be because Keith Taylor took too many steps inside, and that's why Colson Yankoff was able to get the hit the pass just over his reach 
to Bynum on the outside with plenty of room on the sideline. So, um, you know, there was a lot of cover two that they ran today, and the receivers were finding some holes in that cover two. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of a cover two is for there not to be holes, that it's almost impossible for them to find those holes. So that's something that I'm sure Keith Taylor uh, – uh, Will Harris and and Jimmy Lake are going to go over with them and say you cannot come inside five yards. You have to stay out past the hash because that's the route he's going to run. Because everything for a cover two is supposed to push people inside, and he didn't do that. Right. He allowed that guy to get down the sideline for my guess twenty twenty five yard gain, yeah. and because um, the safety doesn't have a shot to get over and, and help out with something like that. So um, perfect throw, perfect catch. But also a bad adjustment by Keith Taylor in not get, staying outside like he was supposed to. Right. And again, like Luke alluded to, that these are learning yeah, things yeah, that will be really valuable for him down the road, mm-hmm. especially when he's going up against Washington's number one guys mm-hmm. and, and the number one offense. Um, one thing I will also say about the defensive backfield, it was good to see Julius Irvin and Kyler Gordon yeah. here. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Lake noted on Twitter that they both had their, their pads their out, yeah. their, their, their pad and pens and, and whatever, writing stuff down. Um, you know, we, we had a little conversation on the sideline during practice. Do we think they're both going to play corner, or do we think that Kyler Gordon's going to play some safety? I, because that's, that's where he played in high school, and a lot of yeah. people want to say that Kyler Gordon could be like the next Buda Baker. And that, I'm the one who's been saying that forever, that he is – I don't want to even call him a poor man's Buda Baker. I think they're, he's just as talented as Buda is. Buda might be a tad more explosive from a speed standpoint, but they're, they're the same player. They do the same things. And Kyler Gordon does not shy away from contact. You watch, I mean, we, we saw it, we showed it several times during the fall, what he was able to do. He played free safety over at Archbishop Murphy. Um, Julius Irvin uh, down at Servite, um, you know, he's, he's a big physical guy. And I always thought he was going to play safety and Kyler Gordon would be your, your, but your corner. But Washington has told Julius Irvin, get ready for corner. I have to talk to Julie or to Kyler Gordon to find out what they told him because I think they want to just find the play. You know, every coach will tell you we're trying to find the best eleven players mm-hmm. and get them on the field. Figure yeah. out ways to get them on the field. If Kyler Gordon can be position versatile, then maybe you put him back at safety and you put uh, Irvin over that corner over over the slot. And boy, you've got a real physical. Yeah. Uh, is you know tandem back there. Yeah. I was going to say too, just real quick, Luke. I was just going to say to let people know that are listening to this, we're hypothesizing. Yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together before the puzzle's even been built. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things mm-hmm. where kind of a Jimmy Lake staple is to bring just really tall, rangy, athletic guys in mm-hmm. the program into the room and just kind of see where. The, where the road takes them, you know, just are they natural corners? Are they natural safeties? Are they natural nickels? Mm-hmm. Um, are they? Can he uh, use them in a hybrid type mm-hmm. situation? So again, all we're doing is we're we're taking shots in the dark to try to figure out based on what they did in high school. But a lot of times, what they did in high school may not even and, matter and once the they I get on campus. At, the way I look at this too, who is the who is more heralded when they came in between Sidney Jones and Buda Baker? Sydney. Sid- well, no, it was Buddha. Buddha. No, it was definitely Buddha. Sorry, it was definitely Buddha. Sydney Jones was the three star. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely Buddha. And came out of a smaller school down in California that produces some talent. Actually, yeah. Devin Burleson was his teammate. But, you know, I, I watch Dominique Hampton. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking uh, Tyler Gordon and Julia Servin, for obvious reasons and for very well-documented reasons, they're the more hyped guys. Yeah. I think Dominic Hampton is the better pro prospect when it's all said and done. That guy is long. He's athletic. He's got an attitude about him. And it isn't that Buda Baker wasn't that guy. Sidney Jones was what the NFL coveted uh, as far as what his position was. Buda Baker just as coveted, but was ranked higher. So I think as good as Kyler Gordon and Julia Servan are, and I think they're very deserving of their, their rankings and everything, I think the guy everybody need, the one guy people need to remember is Dominic Campton. This guy is a special, special player. And I think by the time he's a third-year player here, you could be talking about a guy ready to leave for the NFL. He's that talented. Well, and I also think that with the evaluations that Jimmy Lakes put forth yeah. at Washington to date, is anyone going to second-guess him? No. Is anyone going to have a problem with him going, yeah, he's my guy? It's like, yeah, Wait, all the rest of the guys when, have pretty much banned out. When your team from Arizona, and they were the best team in Arizona this last year, when your team in Arizona plays, I think they were the number nine team in the entire country, St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the power programs in Florida, mm-hmm. And no one completed a pass on him. Okay? These guys ha- have at least 20 guys going D1 every year. And they didn't, do, they didn't complete a pass on him. Obviously, that's a team effort. It's not just him. But it just showed this kid can play. And I, don't, I think a lot of people got lost in the fact that he was down in Arizona. He didn't have any stats. And he didn't do any camps. So... I think that's why a lot of people slept on him. Brandon Huffman would be here punching me in the face right now because he doesn't like it when I say they slept on somebody. I know what Brandon, Greg Biggins, yeah, but if they don't Steve go to Wilfong, camp, what are you going to do? But, I mean, what you know? can you do? You can yeah. only watch so much film where there's no one throwing to his side of the field. Right. So, I mean, it's just you don't know. No level but, of competition yeah, is, is always key. I'm not. I'm not upset with Greg or Brandon or Steve Wiltfong or any, or uh, Barton Simmons. Any of these guys who have to do this national pro- projection of kids. All I'm saying is. Dominique Hampton, I think, is the most slept-on guy in the Pac-12 from a recruiting standpoint. I think a lot of people don't know how good this kid really is. Yeah, Luke? I was just going to say, Sorry, kind of diving into the, uh, no, into the hypotheticals, though, when he talked about the idea of like Kyler Gordon up at the safety position yeah. and then a guy like Julius Irvin over in the nickel mm-hmm. like, and how intimidating of a tandem that would be. But then he, I was going to say, you think about adding Dominic Hampton, Keith Taylor, and Brandon McKinney just mm-hmm. from a size point to that, oh. to that secondary, and that's nightmare. And then Elijah it's, Molden, who's, oh yeah, who's, for sure. who is an unbelievable player. But yeah. he's just on the smaller side compared to those three, yeah. or those five. All right, well, we'll start to uh, wrap it up oh, here. Real quick, we should talk about Peyton Henry missed a kick. Oh, uh, well, yeah. What, he did they have? It. He hooked it. Did, was he the only one that no, kicked today? No, I saw Soderbergh hit his from roughly the same distance. It was about 35, 40 Okay, yards. I only saw the one kick myself. Yeah. So There was two. Yeah, I was going to say, with one kick apiece, it just feels like, what are we yeah. going to... What are we going to learn from spring well, when it comes to the kickers? Know. People no. want to know. People want to know. And trust me, we've, we've been hyping it up as much as any in terms yeah. of a position battle to watch. Um, I just wonder if that's one of those things during the practices we don't get to see. I will say the ball if explodes off of Peyton Henry's foot much more than it does Van Soderberg. Um, I always want to say Van Soderberg. Um, but um, he missed the kick today, whereas Soderberg hit his. Yeah. No, no, we had to figure it out because it was really close. It, it's and we were like literally, we were literally like an entire field away. Yeah, so it was difficult to see. But, but everybody was saying, yeah, it was hooked right. Yeah. So, so uh, any final thoughts, Luke? Um, I was going to say one guy that made a couple catches that I forgot to mention, Jordan Chin. So I wanted to get him a shout out. But 
Uh, no, it was cool to see the offense bounce back. Still, you could tell at the end in the uh, live periods that that energy has carried over into week two, which is exciting. And that's what a lot of the coaches will say spring ball's about, just going from practice to practice and linking together good ones. So I thought that was, that was definitely important and good to see. Okay, final thoughts, Scott? Um, I, you know, echoing Luke, it was good to see the, the offense get back on track a little bit. Uh, it was good to see them back in pads. I love hearing the crack of pads. More was it? No, it's yeah. sure it's not full pads. Yeah, it was. Uh, it they, had, they had pads on their legs, they had thigh pads and stuff. Yeah, but it didn't, I didn't know. It didn't look like they had full pads on to me. Okay. Like that, well, let's put it this way. If you watch them practice, it doesn't look like they practice with full pads. Yeah, that's true. And then that's when true. you see guys like Eifler and Schwartz, it, doesn't, mm-hmm. it looks misleading, at least for me. Okay. People are going to look at that and go, how do they not know if it's full pads or not? If you go out there and watch, it doesn't look like full pads to yeah. me. It didn't look like yeah. look like light so, bulbs to me. Oh, yeah. So, well, anyway, I mean, it was good to hear the, the pads cracking a little bit and doing their thing. And the offense had some energy. The defense always has their energy and everything like that. It's just it, it's fun to see the progress of the team, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more scrimmage, more 11-on-11 11 11 stuff, where we can actually get a better feel on where, where things are going. Yeah, and it's funny because I didn't hear much cracking. I, I saw some guys getting getting bumped and falling to the crown and stuff, and I know that that's going to be something that Chris Peterson just is going to pull his hair out. But again, uh, I'll echo in terms of I think the offense won today, which is good that they needed a bounce back. And again, Chris Peterson always talks about that balance. So if the offense bounced back, he's going to be pissed off at the defense and wonder what happened. And then if the defense comes back the next day, it's going to be like, what happened to the offense? So he, he likes that give and take. He likes the response. Mm-hmm. And so we expect the defense, like Luke was saying, probably on Wednesday, they'll probably have an answer for this. Mm-hmm. I would also say, too, what Luke said is, is really a good point. And Jake Browning underscored it the very first time we talked to him last Wednesday that, hey, everybody's got energy on day one. But, you know, day four, practice five, practice six, are we going to still bring that energy? I thought they brought that energy today. And so even though, yeah, it is a Monday. They did have – no, I guess they only had one day off. Right, but it is a Monday. And so, you know, sometimes beginning of the week you're going to have that energy, what have you. We'll see what happens in the middle of the week if that energy sticks up. But I thought that was a key point as well. And, again, I think it's just good in general to see the receivers starting getting some separation a little bit on the DBs because we know how, how good those DBs can be. Um, and so to, for, to see those guys get a little bit of success, especially on the team period, I thought was good. And, again, anytime you can give those quarterbacks a little bit of space, they're showing that they have the accuracy and they can make good decisions. And I think the hierarchy right now of Jake Browning, obviously, at the number one, but Jake Hainer, I think, pretty well established at that number two already, I th- in my opinion. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think he's pretty established. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so that was good to see as well. So any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up again? Uh, no, um, I, I want people to be aware. Um, I have tried to get a hold of Noah Nagalu and David Hamuli. Um, who were both up here from Atherton, uh, Menlo Atherton, uh, teammates, um, 2018 guy or 2019 prospects that uh, um, we'll, we're trying to get a hold of. I got a hold of Garen Hatchett from Ferndale. Uh, that that interview will be posted tomorrow morning. Um, so, uh, you know, lots of recruiting stuff starting to happen with kids showing up. And I'll get a hold of Kyler Gordon. I'll get a hold of Julius Irwin. You know, we got a lot of different guys to call and talk to. Um, uh, Brandon Huffman just got a hold of uh, Jake Archer, the tight end, or 
Bradley, Archer? Bradley Archer from, yeah, uh, a tight end from Livermore, Cal- California. From Livermore, yeah. And uh, he was up here over the weekend. I'm still trying to get a hold of Miles Morale, um, the uh, the offensive lineman from the 2020 offensive lineman from SoCal, so or I guess NorCal. So, um, or no, it's Modern Day, Modern Day uh, High School. So, lots of kids to talk to on the recruiting side of the ball. I'll have. I'm hoping to have a blog at some point this week, but not 100 percent sure. Otherwise. You know, just stay tuned for more, um, you know, re- recruiting and, and uh, practice reports. I was going to say, too, we're still anticipating almost all of these visits to be unofficial visits, despite the fact that they mm-hmm. can take, kids can take official visits now if they want. Starting on April start, 1st. Yeah, yeah, starting on April 1st, you can start taking official visits now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't anticipate that that's going to be a huge feature for Washington. Washington. Yeah, for Washington this spring. It might be for others in the, on the West Coast, but not for Washington I, at this point. I could still see a handful, maybe yeah. three or four or five, yeah. especially if a guy says, hey, I want to decide before my senior season. And we're seeing that. I'm taking all of my, my official visits in this time, so if you guys want me, then yeah. you need to bring me in. Washington will do that. But I think if they have the choice, they're going to push them out. Right. And then we're already starting to see that a little bit. Yeah. Starting to see, you know, not necessarily early commits being a big thing because that's always the last five, six years. That has been kind of a feature of what's been going on. But I think we're going to start to see a little bit more and more of that. And as we see more and more of that, I think, I think the official visits are going to start to yeah. work into that a well, little bit Well, it's more. the first year that they've been able to do it. Yeah. And I think what Washington, especially Chris Peterson, when he's so measured in the way he does things – he always has a plan. He always knows why he wants to do something. Well, there's a reason why he wants to push it out to the to the season, mm-hmm. you know, for obvious reasons. But if he starts to see things, okay, how can we benefit from bringing them up in the spring between April and, and June? How can we benefit from that? Then maybe he says, all right, we'll do 10 visits in the spring and save our other 40-some-odd visits for – the fall or after after fall, so right. um, just a it, it's such a weird dynamic because Chris, you've been doing this forever. I've been doing this forever. When we talked to kids and they said they were visiting a school in the spring, it was an unofficial visit. Now we actually have to ask. Ask, and, and the kids are like, "What do you yeah. What do you mean?" Uh, uh, well, did you know you could take visits? No, I didn't even know I could take visits. So you know this it's just it's a real learning thing it's it's it the kids don't even know at this point yeah, it's definitely a brand new world for everybody yeah. involved and i think there is a a certain amount of them feeling out the process to mm-hmm. kind of figure find that that fine balance that you're talking about of how many we need to do how important is it really to this kid is it maybe the only time a parent mm-hmm. can come up for instance maybe that's a you don't want to bring factor. a kid in in april though and have him make his decision in december right and then have everybody else have their official visits in the season. Yeah. So it's really a cat and mouse game, um, chicken, whatever you want to call it, yeah. where you have to figure out, okay, am I pushing it too far? If I, you know, or am I being, having too hard of a stance with this kid that I want him in the fall when he's not going to even visit us in the fall, he'll visit somebody else instead. So you really got to kind of figure out how it's going to work. And, and knowing, Sorry, we're going off on a no, tangent. No, but I would here, just but, say knowing yeah. Chris Peterson's philosophy on these things, you just get the sense that he would not want to waste an official visit on a kid unless they were his last visit and they had already maybe taken an official mm-hmm. visit and that he was going to make a decision maybe right after a Washington visit, mm-hmm. for instance, so that that really maximizes mm-hmm. their odds or their chances of being able to do this. So, again, just wanted to fill in you know, to, to folks that really didn't know that they can take official visits now and what have you. Again, as we started the show out, too, 
Kim is out at the, the Dempsey Indoor. He's watching uh, Dante Pettis work out in front of the scouts. Scouts from, I think, Tampa Bay, New York Giants, New England at least, yeah, were here uh, watching practice. And so I assume they're already out there watching Dante as well. And we'll have uh, Kim give us a report on what happened with Dante as well. So, again, for Scott Eklund and Luke Munger, this is Chris Fetters at dogman.com. Go dogs.